0: I just got stuck in a bogey train.
1: Hey there. We are back. It's been a couple weeks, I think. Has been. Um, But we're back with episode 30 of the bogey train podcast brought to you by just kidding. No sponsors yet. Uh, Jenks, just you for right now, Noah may or may not be hopping in, what's good? Not a whole lot, you know, the weather is uh, getting a
0: little better up here, but yet I still haven't gotten to play some golf, so that's kind of disappointing, but uh, it's just nice that the weather is getting nicer, and I can actually foresee going out and playing holes of golf sometime soon. That is tough that it is now May and you have not played outside yet. It is very tough. Um, but I'm just, I'm excited to get
1: outside. Um, has Cattail been open and you just haven't been able to get out or, or is it, has it not been open yet? Yeah,
0: it opened last week sometime. Um, like last Wednesday or Thursday. I just, and then I haven't, you know, with practice and stuff like that, it's just been tough to be able to get out. And the weekends, like the time I actually have time to play, uh, you know, last weekend it was fifties and blowing 30 miles an hour. So at that point it's just not even fun to even try and go out and play. So. You're telling me. Yeah. You were forced to, I at least had an option.
1: Yeah. Um so soon, hopefully, I'm trying to get outside and yeah,
0: my I have a group of guys going out and playing tomorrow. Um I'm gonna try and jump in with them. The only issue is I have practice and they're playing at like five fifteen. Uh I usually get done with practice at five and it's a thirty minute drive from golf course to golf course. So
1: so it's not really Might be kind up. of a little
0: close. Uh yeah.
1: maybe I'll
0: maybe I'll go out and I'll just join up for you know eight holes or seven holes, whatever it may be, and you know still play, but yeah.
1: Um what about you? you been playing any golf lately? Well yes, actually. Um I think since our last episode I've probably played four rounds of golf or so. Um, I think it was, we've talked about, I had gone out and played nine holes a couple of times just at the little, uh, the short course out here, the par 30. Um, I was able to play 18, um, a week or two ago. And then, um, this past weekend I was up in Minnesota playing some golf. So, um, and you might think, well, Minnesota, that's. North of where I'm at, was the weather terrible? And the answer is yes, it was, but I was up there anyway. And it was terrible uh, there too. Yes. And so, yeah, the weather has definitely been a problem this spring. Um, but I've been able to get out and hit range a number of times just to sort of, uh, prepare for, uh, the event I had yesterday that we're going to talk about. And, uh, Yeah, it was uh, what I the golf that I had leading up to this event was was not enough. Yeah, I I agree. But uh,
0: that's that's what's kind of tough, you know, having a big event like what you played in yesterday, which we're really just kind of beating around the bush and, you know, not really talking about it. You know, being in the Midwest and playing in an event like that kind of sucks. You know, like the the South Dakota event was yesterday as well in Sioux Falls. And like, you know, there's a lot of names that are like from down south that are coming up and playing it up here, which is just, you know, one kind of sucks for people up here that, you know, you have guys from Arizona and New Mexico coming and playing this event, but two, they've been playing golf for the last six months and we'd be lucky to touch club.
1: Yeah, so the event uh, we're talking about is the U.S. Open local qualifier. That uh, they all go on on different days, but there were a ton of them yesterday. May first was probably the was probably the day that had the most of the U.S. Open uh, local qualifiers. Um, and I went up and played at TPC Twin Cities up in Blaine, Minnesota. That was the location I did. Um, yeah, Sioux Falls had one as well. Home of the three M um, Open, by the way. Host, yes, home of the 3M Open, TPC Twin Cities, and yeah, you're exactly right. Like, if I was down in the South, you know, playing golf all year, and you really, like, you know, were serious about doing the U.S. Open local qualifier, and you wanted to go where you had the best chance of advancing, I mean, coming up and doing one in the North is a smart move, because, I mean... You know, I was doing as much as I could to prepare for this thing, but it was, I mean, hitting range uh, maybe five times and then playing a total of about, you know, 54-ish holes before this event. So it was, uh, well, maybe 60, 63 holes about before this event so yeah definitely definitely didn't feel prepared but it was still uh it was still interesting yeah for sure you know it's
0: even i'm thinking like when we play the two man in just about a month um like i'm gonna feel really underprepared like i'm still getting swings in you know i will take kids clubs at practice and just you know hit a couple swings but like Not having played holes yet, probably by that time I'll have played a total of like, you know, seven or eight rounds if I'm lucky. You know, not necessarily a
1: lot. And that, and swings over the winter in the simulator versus actually playing golf outside. I mean, it doesn't hurt to be hitting in a simulator, but it's just like, it just doesn't compare. It's not the same kind of reps.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, you're keeping the swing loose, but, you know, the ball flight is part of the golf swing, knowing where you're hitting it. And I feel like the simulator doesn't really do it justice. Um, Like, the last few weeks in the simulator, I couldn't get driver over 260, and I'll probably step outside and I'll just be ripping
1: driver again. Like, it's just, it's different. Well, yeah, and the simulator, because it feels, I mean, because it, it is pretty artificial... When you're standing over a ball, like I'm way more concerned on like what my swing is and I have a lot more swing thoughts and I'm thinking like positions in my swing when I'm in a simulator for some reason versus when I'm outdoors playing. Like it's a lot more just ball flight focused just because you can actually like see it and visualize it better. So, um, so I I
0: feel like outside it's a lot easier to like work shots, like have a plan and know what you want to do. In a yeah. simulator, like that's just impossible. Like, you know, you can't be like, oh, I'm gonna pick it, I'm gonna hit it at this tree, and I'm gonna have hit this swing. Like, it's just it doesn't really work that
1: way in right. a simulator. Um, well, I have uh received word that Noah will not be getting on. I am not surprised. So, yeah, not surprised. So should we just uh should we just get right into it? A little uh it. little US open qualifier recap um, US at open, TBC open Twin Qual- Cities. Um, so yeah, I had, I had a few major takeaways, which we can get to at the end, but how would you want to, I don't know, go about it. Are we, are we really going to go like hole by hole, shot by shot or, um,
0: yeah, I guess it's kind of up to you if you want to go like hole by hole and just talk about some like big, you know, big things. Um, I'll kind of maybe throw in a couple things that I saw. I was paying attention to the leaderboard a little bit. Um, so I can kind of throw in my, uh, my two cents where needed, but if you just want to talk, you know, hole by hole or pick out a couple shots from each hole, something like that, uh, I think mm. we'd do
1: it that way. So, yeah. And, uh, so the reason I did the TPC Twin Cities location was, um, well, originally, my wife and I, we thought we were um, we we're planning on moving up to Minnesota temporarily, and so we thought we were going to be up there by now, so that's the one I just signed up for. And then I had the opportunity to – I mean, I could have transferred to the Sioux Falls one if I wanted to, but I thought it would be more fun to play uh, TBC Twin Cities, and uh, so the fact that I was already signed up and um, – the weekend when final qualifying is, I have another tournament slated for that weekend anyway. So, you know, I figured what even the, if I... What weekend's that? Um, it's the South Dakota Mid-Am. Okay. It's the weekend before the two-man. So, you know, I figured it didn't really matter if I was going to the event where I thought there was a worse chance, I guess, in theory, of qualifying. Even though looking back on the scores from up there and the scores that were here in Sioux Falls, I think my chances were better up there. Oh, for sure. At TPC twin cities. Um, I think in Sioux Falls under like under par was, I think, I think you had to be under par to be top four or five. I think it was, I think both locations had five qualifiers and two alternates. Is that what it was? Um, yes. Uh, I know Minnesota had five qualifiers, two alternates, and si- Sioux Falls either had four or five qualifiers and two alternates. Um, so uh, went up and uh, Saturday played 18 holes at um, Fun Course. And Sunday, you know, I was really battling the weather all weekend. It was, it was pretty atrocious. Sunday was awful. Monday was arguably worse. Um, so the big thing was Monday morning – so my tea time wasn't until 1150. So yeah, you were late. really late. Yeah, pretty late. You were like the second or third to last group. Yeah. Um, it, which, you know, since I just drove back home after it was, I got home a lot later. But, I mean, teeing off early, if it would have been an early morning tea time, it would have been like almost unbearable. It was like when I was out there just warming up prior to my tea time, it slowly got warmer throughout the day. It was still pretty bad by the end of the day, but... The wind was so brutally cold; it was like, it was it was hard to even stand there, let alone like make swings and hit putts. Yeah, what was it for temperature up there? Uh, I think you know when I was out there warming up, it was like low to mid forties, with and the wind was pretty constant at twenty five. So, I mean, wind chills were without a doubt in the thirties for most of the morning i I think that probably you know that went up i I think by the end of the round this temperature got to low to mid 50s yeah because we uh, a little more doable we had a tournament yesterday and
0: um you know just coaching in it was was unbelievable and that was you know around 12 o'clock it was high 40s low 50s for the most part but you're looking at 25 mile an hour winds and Uh, gusts up to like 35 40 it was just absurd like i'm telling kids they're asking what clubs to hit and you know straight into the wind it's a 340 yard par four they're going driver seven
1: iron it's just absolutely crazy um yeah it was i mean the greens were i mean obviously it's early may and it's been a tough winter so the greens were you know not normal speeds for they were they were pretty slow obviously for TPC standards yeah um, but they had to be for that wind condition if they were anything close to normal speed the ball would not have stood still how um, uh, how far back do you guys play it obviously probably played, not championship tees but we played it from about 7100 okay and what's the championship length like 74 75. I think it's one of the longest. Like it's one of the five. Like, I think it's in the top five for longest courses on tour.
0: Were there um, any holes that you played all the way back? Or yeah,
1: there were some. I think we played 16 all the way back. Okay. Um
0: two? Did you and, get to no, you didn't get to hit it from across
1: the road on two. We didn't know. Two was straight into the wind. So oh, okay. um the wind was. I mean, it's hard to imagine because all the holes kind of go in different directions, but like that was kind of the overall wind direction. Two was straight into nine was pretty much straight down a little yeah. off the right. Eight would have been like straight into or 18, you know, into eight, off the left. Eight was straight into Um, 18. The uh, approach shot or like if you were going for the green, that shot was straight into the wind and the T shot was into and off the right then. So that's sort of the overall wind direction for context. Um, so, yeah, you were, you were following along with the scores. Were you shocked at how high the scores were?
0: I, you know, I kind of was a little bit because I figured, you know, it's a Minnesota qualifier. Uh, there's probably more in the, the talent pool. So I figured scores would be a little bit lower, especially seeing that like Sioux Falls had a four under and a a couple two unders or whatever it was.
1: Um, I think it was pretty similar weather here.
0: Yeah. I would say it kind of sounds pretty similar.
1: I guess I'm I'm not sure I wasn't following, but it seemed like it, you know, the whole region was awfully windy
0: when I looked early. uh, Obviously leading score was like one under, you know, whatever it was, but as it got later in the day, kind of like as you hit your back nine and I'm looking, and I'm like, all he's got to do is make like three pars and he's, you know, at least an alternate, like, uh, yeah, There was, there was not a lot of low. So I think the lowest score was one over, uh, if no, I remember two over. two over two guys,
1: two guys tied at two
0: over. I think, yeah, I think the at the time it was one over. And then, uh, at like right at the very end, it moved up to two, but
1: yeah. And then I was,
0: I kind of thought about, it and I was like, you know, it is TBC twin cities. It's a pretty tough course. Uh, comparable to like what we would normally play and Hmm. you have this this pretty stiff breeze going on so i mean i wasn't surprised but i definitely was surprised at the same time
1: yeah it was uh you know with me i had a couple buddies playing in the event as well and you know we were just chatting ahead of time like you know not not trying to get in our own heads but just like you know what score do you think will actually qualify and it kind of we kind of came to like we think 75 might actually qualify. Like maybe 76 has an outside chance and 76 qualified. Yeah. And you you talked about having, uh,
0: buddies playing the event. When I saw that Mac shot in the nineties,
1: I was like, Holy guacamole. Yeah. I was, I was chatting with him and he, he just had, um, an early, uh, so he started on the front nine and hole three, he put two tee shots out of bounds oh, and had to take an goal. unplayable. So to have a you know a, a high number that early in your round is pretty deflating, having to, you know, you still have 15 holes left in absolutely yeah. brutal conditions. Um, what so, did yeah, it, I start, what what Caleb end up shooting? Uh he was 85. So yeah, it was all just it was all really interesting. And I had been hitting range a lot last week, you know, trying to prepare, you know, we'll get into it, but apparently I I should have spent a lot more time around the greens. Um, but, and my long clubs. So this was the really interesting thing when I was hitting range, like my wedges and short irons felt pretty dialed and my longer clubs, like longer irons and, uh, fairway woods and driver all felt really off. Like my my swing with my driver and my long clubs felt really off, and then yesterday was completely the opposite. So um, when I played 18 on Saturday, it was very similar condition. It was a little bit less windy, but um, I don't know. I just found something with my driver. It was hitting just a ton of fairways, um, even even with the wind conditions, and that just sort of um, that sort of carried over to yesterday. I was I was driving yeah. it really well. Yeah, that's kind of a course that
0: you know you have to be driving it really well to to even have a chance of shooting a, a score. Um, like just from what I've seen with the course, like from going to the three M that one year, like you look at holes like two and three and five and six and seven. Like there's a lot of trouble out there, and if you're if you're off,
1: you're you're going to be putting up some high numbers. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll just I'll just get right into it. So I mean, TPC, you just forget like when you when you play like average courses, the type of courses we play, and then you go there. Like you know what people are saying when they're talking about a big golf course. Like you're just there, and the course is just huge. Like the the amount of property on each hole. Is like the you feel like it's the same amount of property for like three holes at the you know courses that I typically play. Um, so anyway, I started on 10. So it was that's that's a pretty gentle starting hole, especially yesterday. It was downwind.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, looking between one and 10, which one would you have rather
1: started on one or 10? One, um, one is probably an easier tee shot, but. I mean, they're both, they're both pretty, you know, pretty not pretty, difficult starting yeah. holes. Um, but basically nerves got to me on the first hole. I, I took three iron off the tee, and I just kind of squirted like a thin little cut out to the right rough. Um, but still had a wedge in. It was a front right pin. Uh, and then chunked the wedge short of the green. And then chipped it to like 10 feet and missed. So I hit four really bad shots on the first hole. Or on my first hole, hole 10. And made a bogey. Um the next hole 11 was pretty much downwind. And what is
0: uh, I didn't venture out to 11 when we were there. What does 11 look like?
1: Um it's a straightaway par 4. It's a it's a pretty tight driving hole. There's some really good bunkering on the right side of the fairway and then there's just rough and trees left. Like the the actual landing area on the fairway is pretty narrow. Okay. Um, I think we played it from i don't know how far back we played it four fifty ish maybe or four forty or four thirty some somewhere in there. I had a really good drive down the middle um had a wedge in and chunked it again um so it was just a really shaky start, like when you know there were two easy holes that I should have. I guess not to say like expecting birdies to take advantage of them, but there was no reason to be making bogeys. I mean, they were straight downwind and I was in really, I was in fine position on both of them. Um, yeah. I ended yeah. up short of the green on 11. I had a nervy chip and left it to like six feet, but then, or no, six, eight feet and I ended up making it. I I definitely
0: feel like starting on the downwind holes, you have to take advantage of those. Um, yeah. I yeah. mean, so it, it's a lot harder. It's a lot easier downwind than it is. Straight into the wind.
1: I yeah, would say so, it at least. A- after that after that first hole bogey, you know, I was really like I was really trying to tell myself, okay, there's a lot of golf left, but like on a on a you know, pretty short par four that's not too difficult, straight downwind, I mean, to just like totally give away a shot for no reason is like, okay, this might be a long day. <laughs> you know, if like this is this is one of the easiest holes on the course today. Mm-hmm. But You know, it is what it is. And so 12 was back into the wind. Really awkward tee shot because it turns around those trees on the left. Yeah, and you've got that pond or whatever on the right. Yeah. When I played there in college, my first year of college, a a number of times, that tee shot was always, like, the most awkward on the course. Um, But I hit a really good one right down the middle. Um, Hit four wood. So, yeah, it was... So the T shot, the wind was coming a little off the left, and then the rest of the hole was straight into. So when I hit straight into the wind. I hit a forewood and still had like a hundred yards left. And I hit pitching really wedge. Nice. Hit pitching wedge from a hundred yards. And uh hit a pretty good shot. Had like 15 feet for birdie, missed it. 13 was uh so I was playing 215. It was like a middle back pin. And I hit seven iron, but I nearly missed it. It was a horrible shot. So I ended up in that huge bunker, short right, you know, mm-hmm. but way back. I had like 50 yards to the hole. So, and it, so that bunker with a huge lip from like yeah. 50 yards, Yeah, it was like, it's hard idea. to imagine a more uncomfortable shot. Um, So I... I hit it. I actually didn't hit that bad of a shot. It just came. It came up just barely short. It landed like near the top of that hill and rolled back down into the bunker. So then I still had that shot from down in that deep bunker. But I ended up getting it up and down for bogey. So here's a question: Do you count it as a, is it a sand save or is it not a sand save? Because my first shot from the bunker, I didn't get up and down. But I left it in the bunker, but the next one, I did get up and down.
0: I think it's a fifty percent. You know, you're zero for one on the first one, but then you go one for one on the second one, so you're one for two.
1: Yeah. So I bogey that. I was two over through four, but I felt I felt incredible about that bogey. I mean, to get up and down from in that super deep bunker and make like a six footer for bogey. Yeah, that's was, a pretty solid up and up and down. Yeah. Fourteen is where uh, things started to go a little bit, a little bit south. So extremely awkward tee shots. You know what 14 looks like, right? Yeah, I have a postcard of it somewhere. That's the one with the lake on the left. Yep. And then there's those two fairway bunkers that are obviously just perfectly placed. So the tee shot was the wind was down and off the left. So, uh pretty awkward and I, so I took a 3 iron and it kind of I didn't think I could get to this first bunker. That's why I hit 3 iron cuz it was like 260. But it got there. So I was in the fairway bunker and I had about 180 to the hole uh, with the ball above my feet and the lie sucked and the wind was coming off the left. And so I took five iron and chunked it right into the water. Oof. So yeah, I dropped, hit it on, and two putted for double. Um, So at this point, this puts you at what, four over? I was four over through five at this point. I mean, hindsight, I probably should have just laid up out of the ferry bunker, just like hit it out like 40 or 50 yards to try to just Mm -hmm. like somehow get up and down for par. Just because my lie in that bunker was so bad that I pretty much knew what was going to happen on that shot. But it was basically like, well, this is a par four. Like, how do I just lay up? And, but yeah, that was a bad decision. Fifteen, I missed my drive in the left rough. I had some trees in the way, so I had to go out a little bit to the right, and I ended up short of the green, right on the lip of a bunker. wasn't able to get up and down, so kind of another sloppy bogey.
0: And And I think this is about where I saw the first score update, and I saw you were like four over through five or five over through six. And I'm just like, eesh.
1: I was five over through six, but then this is like kind of where I started finding my groove a little bit. Um. So sixteen, I had a really good drive down the fairway, but my ball just just like rolled out to the left just enough that it was on like the lip of a fairway bunker. Mm-hmm. So I had a hundred yards, but I was standing in the bunker, and the ball was not in the bunker, and the flag was all the way on the right, like all the way on the right side of the green, and the wind was off, hard off the right. So is this I got the tr- one that like plays drivable sometimes? Yeah, so it, they they play they play around with the tee box because it can go all the way back to 400, uh-huh. like, I think. But they that's when they do make drivable. And so I tried to aim far enough right to compensate for the ball way above my feet and the wind, but it still wasn't enough. So I ended up way on the left side of the green. And have you seen that green's like really, like it's not very deep, but it's really wide. Yeah, I'm looking at it. So the pin was way over on the right, like extreme right side. And my ball was like yep. extreme left side of the green, and I drained it. Really? It was like a
0: yeah, it was like sixty or seventy feet. That is a that's a strokes gain with the putter saver right there. Yeah, that's that's a huge that's a huge birdie.
1: There was a huge mound that I was putting that I putted over, like right, like halfway through the putt, like um, it goes up and then down into the right. Mm-hmm. and like i hit it i was like man that came off pretty and, and it was just one of those things that happens sometimes that um that like sometimes you just step up to a putt and like right before you hit it you're just like i think i'm gonna make this and for some reason that was just one of them which was crazy because it was so like i couldn't tell you the last time i made a putt from that far away
0: yeah i mean that's and, not a, a common
1: one yeah and it's not like it was dead straight or anything it was you know, it was it was you know, one of the hardest putts I've hit in years, and I, for some reason, I just had a feeling it was going to go in, and then it did. Yeah,
0: I bet the make percentage on that is probably about one.
1: Yeah, it was. So that was that was fun. That was the the highlight of the day. So that got me to four over four seven. Four over through seven. Seventeen, definitely a scary one with the water short left, and the wind was hard. It was like into and off the right. Yeah. So question, do they
0: have like any of the grandstands or anything up at this point or no?
1: No, nothing up except uh, the lake between 14 and 17. Mm -hmm. Like over to the left of the green on 17, there's kind of like a big um, ridge out there. There's just a big sign that says like 3M open. Okay. But none of the grandstands are up. Okay. So it looks pretty, yeah. The fact that none of the grandstands are up and the course is that much more empty makes it look that much bigger and it probably makes
0: it that much more harder. Like if you had grandstands up at least like a lot of that wind's going to get knocked down. Uh probably yeah. changes a little bit, but
1: so the pin on 17 was playing about one I think it was 173. So we weren't, you know, we didn't hit it from all the way back. I think we did play all uh-huh. the way back on 16. Um 17 we weren't. I took a 5 iron from 173 and it was a really solid shot. I I it was you know, start it right edge of the green and just kind of let the wind work it back. It was too much club, but that's the side to err on, you know, with the water short. So I had probably about 40 feet downhill for birdie and hit an absolutely awful putt, left it like 10 or 12 feet short and three putted, which was Yuck. sort of a punch in the gut right after making a, a sweet birdie the hole before. And especially after I had such a solid shot on the tee shot mm-hmm. you know, to just like give it away with a three putt like that was tough um 18 so that was so this is the first time i played the course since the changes and what so the change did they bring the what do they do so 18 yeah so they made the water in play off the tee shot like before the, the fairway was like 100 yards wide and it just like if you hit the ball too far, you could go in the water. Yeah, that's what I okay, that's what I thought. But now the water's all the way up the right. So um yes, I I'll tell you one thing, it doesn't look like it looks on uh PGA 2K. I wasn't hitting over a group of trees in case Yeah, that's you were, in case you were wondering. We didn't play it all the way back. Um I think scorecard yardage we played it was 561. Uh, I hit a really good drive uh, right in the fairway. I had 227 to the flag. Uh, Didn't go for it. It was straight into the wind. Come
0: on, man.
1: I'll be honest. I thought about it for one second, but I I took three wood out of the bag before um, I decided to go with my four wood instead of three wood. So I went four wood and three iron. And so there was just no chance it was going to get there. Yeah.
0: Could have hit DOD.
1: yeah, that would have been smart. Because at that point, like I was I was uh, I was back to five over. Like I I figured I was probably a long shot, but like if I just play solid the rest of the day, you never know.
0: So are are you not like leaderboard watching or anything? Or do no, you not I didn't have a I didn't of leaderboard watching?
1: I could have if I wanted to cuz they they didn't they didn't even do paper scorecards, like it was all electronic. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and so then everyone in the group is keeping so it's not like there's just one person doing mm-hmm. the the live scoring. It's like, no, you're yeah. keeping your your partner's playing card on your phone, is how you're doing yeah. it. Um so yeah, I wasn't I wasn't doing any leaderboard watching. I was just, you know, I figured that would just give me one more thing to think about that I didn't need to and just try to play well and see what happens. And I was really aggressive with my layup because it's a really tough layup. There's like four bunkers over there. Mm-hmm. And so I, what I did was I aimed right of those bunkers with my forewood. And I, when it was in the air, I thought it was a perfect line. I thought I was just going to land in the fairway. Well, it lands in the rough, just past the water. So like I, I, I cleared the water by like two yards on my layup. Uh, but I only had 43 yards for my third shot, but I managed to, uh, knock it up and down for birdie, which was a little bit annoying. I didn't even give myself a really good chance. I had left myself like 25 or 30 feet another huge birdie
0: Yeah and side note this clubhouse looks freaking sweet
1: Yeah it's pretty it's pretty nice we used to go there in the winters um and they have a few simulators down in there Things are ginormous. Uh, underneath like cart storage area Anyway yeah so it's huge. we're we're through 9 holes through 9 holes 5 over but has played the last 3 and even which was an improvement on how Did I you started. say you
0: you parred 18 or you birdied 18? I parred it. Oh, I thought you said you birdied.
1: No, I managed to uh yeah, I I only had 43 yards in for my third but I did not get up and down. Now you make one. your way
0: under the tunnel. You're heading over to 1.
1: Yep. 1 uh wind was coming really hard off the right. I I sort of The tee shot was a little toe slappy. Um, Ended up in the left rough, but it was fine. I had a seven iron in, hit a really good shot to like 15 feet. Uh, Just barely missed it, left it like six inches short, which was frustrating. Um, Hole two, like I said, was straight into the wind. We played from in front of the road. We didn't play all the way back. Hit a perfect drive into the wind. Had 157 in for my second shot, hit six iron. The pin was way back right. Kind of a scary pin. Mm-hmm. All that water. Um, yeah, hit it uh, pin high left to about like 20, 20 to 23 feet, probably, and missed that birdie putt right on the edge. Um, that yeah, hole, it
0: just. This hole looks crazy hard. Like just looking at it from
1: the like Google Maps view. Yeah, hole too. This hole just looks crazy hard. Yeah, and then add a 30 mile an hour headwind. Yeah, like jeepers. Yeah, and my my birdie putt—it's just like it. Basically, it was one of those where it just ran out of speed, and it just like went right across the face of the hole. So mm-hmm. it was, um, it would have been a great birdie. And hole three was playing as a par five because it usually does. It just yeah, plays it's a as par five par for four. the numbers. It's a yeah, it's a par four for the uh three M Open. Perfect drive down the fairway. I, I had two seventeen in. I couldn't figure out the wind direction because in my head, I was thinking just based off the other holes and the directions we were going, I was like, I don't think it should be helping, but that's what I was feeling. So I hit four iron and it was way too much. So I went over the green. So I should have hit like five or six. Apparently it was helping Um, chipped. It wasn't a great chip. I hit like a bumper on with pitching wedge to probably about 10 feet and missed it. So a. yeah, had three really good looks at Birdie in a row. Well, and then if you if you add in the you know Down only having only having forty yards into eighteen. Yeah. To not take advantage of any of those was pretty frustrating. And I
0: mean 'cause even looking back at like seventeen, having that three putt, like Yeah. So you the, have the
1: three a, a huge stretch like that, there where... that was a, a stretch of golf where I was hitting I was hitting quality golf shots, mm-hmm. like one after another. Like it was I was actually um hitting a pretty good um so I ended and this is
0: three this is about where i look i believe um and i see again that you're i think it's after four so i'll let you go through four first because you have five holes left
1: they had they had four playing pretty short for us i think it was around 130 or 140 i mean 140 mm-hmm. um, it was down and off the left and the pin was way left so it's kind of you know close to that water so i just i try to aim it at the pin and let the wind move it to the middle of the green um moved it a little too much it was like right fringe but i two putted for par Yep. so and, you know that basically capped off like a seven hole stretch where i was playing actually really really solid yeah and this is where i looked um and at this
0: time you weren't leaderboard watching so i'll try and remember kind of where uh one over was in the lead at this point I think there's two at one over. There was a few at two over. You're still sitting at five. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think you're like, I think you're like T eight or T nine at this point. Really? Yeah. Maybe even better than that. But I, I'm kind of sitting there thinking, I'm like, you know, there's, there was a guy who was, who was two over through nine. And there's a guy that was, you know, one over through uh 10. Like these guys have a lot of golf left to play. So I'm like, you know, if Nick can, can come in, make – you had five holes left. I'm like, if he can make, you know, four pars or five pars, like could sneak in as an alternate, Uh, you know, post a, a 78 or something like that, I guess would five over be – six over would be 79, wouldn't it? Would it a par no, it's a, it's, a 72. it's a 72. It's a 72. 71 during the 3M? Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, yeah, if Nick can come – if you can post – uh you know, 77, 78. I'm like, that that's gonna be really close at I this know. moment. And I'm like, even if he sneaks a birdie in, like, you know, seven is it's not a long hole. You've got a par five in there, which isn't easy, but I mean it's a par five, it's a scoring chance. Like you never know mm-hmm. what could happen. Um
1: yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't really thinking a whole lot like about that at the time. Like I just knew I was playing well and I was just trying to get it in with as good a score as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then hole five, hole five, we did play all the way back. It was pretty much wind. Uh, It was helping the tee shot. It was was basically helping off the left for the entire hole. I mean, you you turn a little bit to the left for the approach shot, but overall similar Um, hit forward off the tee. Absolutely. Perfect. Middle of the fairway. And uh pretty much shanked my approach with a pitching wedge. Um, it wasn't like a complete like dead right shank, but it was one where it it like I missed, you know, a good 20 yards right and 20 yards short. Uh-huh. So it was just a brutal shot. And so I was on a down slope chipping with a pretty tight lie and just caught it like a little quick and so it then skidded over the green into the rough. Hit what I thought was a good chip, but I just misjudged it a little bit. It rolled out a little too far, and I had, like, eight feet for bogey and missed it. So to make that double bogey from the middle of the fairway was, like, so frustrating, especially how good I was hitting it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I figured out the time to go from five over to seven over. That probably did it. Yeah, I, that You know, I was going to have to do something unbelievable to even mm-hmm. – and I didn't know where the leaderboard sat, but you, yeah, you, like when I was sitting at five over, it's like, well, if I, you know, can just happen to make a couple birdies coming in, you know, three over, like probably going to do it. But anyway, so yeah, I made a double there and then six for the tee shot. The one was pretty much off the right. Absolutely hammered it um, just into the left rough. But then so the hole turns to the right. And so then the next shot is like into and off the right. And mm-hmm. I got a little aggressive with it. I probably should have laid farther back and just hit like some sort of iron. But I tried to, I tried to push it forward with my forewood. Um, and it was in the rough. And so my club kind of went under it. So I went, it went high on the face. So it just kind of like popped straight into the air. And then the wind just brought it right into the water. Yeah. So dropped hit it on and made bogey. Um, so yeah I went double bogey bogey on five six and then seven I dr- actually drove it onto the front fringe was it playing short I, playing I never even bit. looked at the yardage I was a little bit frustrated I just stepped up and hit driver I didn't even know how close it was until I got up there I'm like holy crap I'm on the front fringe um but the pin was back right so I kind of had to do like a little like mini flop over the edge of the bunker mm-hmm. and uh kind of clunked it a little bit left myself like 12 feet for birdie Just missed it high. Another frustrating one to not take advantage of. Um, And then eight, the par three was straight into the wind from 182. And the pin was like, it was over on the left side, but it was very front. So if you're going to air a little bit past the hole rather than short of it to come up in a bunker. So I took, I actually, the wind was blowing so hard. I was between four iron and three iron from 182. I took four iron. So I was trying to hit like this uh, flat draw and uh, I hit it like exactly how I was trying to, but I hit it like too good. It was like at the back edge of the green, which is a fine miss. It was fine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Probably had like 40 feet. It was downhill. it hit a really good putt. It was online. It was dead center. Bounces off the flag stick. Like it had some speed. It was probably going to go like four or five feet past, but like it was dead center. It just bounced right off the flag. Man. Uh, Yeah. And then... Nine. So nine was down and off the right. I I took less than driver off the tee. I took forward because I didn't want to bring the water on the right into play. So I I ended up just like one yard into the left rough. Uh, But I had 165 in. And it took pitching wedge. And it was a little too... Like it landed on the green, but it bounded into the back bunker. And I uh, wasn't able to get up and down from the back bunker. So it was a bogey finish for an 81. Which I mean, all in all,
0: you know, 81, I, with the conditions and the course, like I just looking at that, you know, I wouldn't say that that's terrible. Um, Like my my kind of two cents, like there's definitely a few left out there. Like you, you probably mm. feel the same way. This is probably a round where you're probably thinking, you know, maybe 77, 78 at worst. Uh, if a couple, you know, a couple different things happen, you know, if you don't hit that that approach shot on hole five,
1: uh, probably saves you at least one, if not two. I mean, you know, that, I mean, that should never even be a bogey. I mean, yeah. or, I mean, you know, things happen, but that should be like, yeah. One or two out of ten times, that's a bogey.
0: Yeah. You know, like, Uh, that
1: should be middle of the fairway from, I think it was 145 or so.
0: But, no, all in all, what ended up being,
1: so five qualified, what ended up being qualified, and what was the alternate? Uh, 76 qualified, and then there was a a playoff. There was a number of guys that were at 77, so five over, that were in a, a playoff to be the alternates.
0: Yeah, so it's still, you know, really, really close coming down that finishing stretch. You know, if you, like I had kind of said, if you shoot even coming down the stretch, I mean, that that gets you into that playoff. Um, right. And, you know, if a couple things go different on your front nine, it was the back nine. Um, you know, like that first couple holes, uh, you take advantage of those a little bit or... Um, you know 14 or 15 you know just things here and there like you're you're right in it uh, which I feel like you're typically like when you play the one in Sioux Falls I don't feel like you're like super far out of it I just feel like you usually miss by
1: like four or five last time the Sioux Falls one I missed being in alternate by two i think yeah like you're you're and never that i missed, that quali- I missed actually qualifying by three um
0: but i guess you know all in all the the thought is what's what's your thoughts on their own um you know like how was it playing at tbc twin cities again this time is this your first ever like competitive round at tbc usually you guys just
1: practice there um, we would just practice there. We did play one. It was just like, it was semi-competitive. I mean, it was competitive as in like, you know, we played everything out. It was, it was a duel with mm-hmm. another school that we played out there. And it was, it's one of the funniest rounds I've ever played. Uh, cause I was, I was, I think I've told you about it. I was 200 through eight and shot 85. Yeah. I think I heard about that one. So yeah, I just like an absolute implosion. And I don't think the, you know, I don't, I can't remember the weather from that day, but it was nothing like what it was. Yeah,
0: yesterday yeah where would you rank the, on all your rounds you've played at tbc because what was your what's your best round at TPC? like 79 74 74 like yeah like where where would you rank this conditions wise and like how you played
1: compared to that round um, it's hard to remember the 74 to be quite honest um is that the one where you eagled 18 no that was my first ever round at TPC. that with, one was a the grandstands, still being taken down yeah um well this is my first time playing it since the changes so there's definitely things about like the course is harder now Mm. just as a as a pure like you know if there were no conditions involved but with that weather i mean the the difficulty of the course combined with the weather i mean i'm trying to come up with something else but that it has to be the most difficult round i've ever played just like course combined with conditions I mean if I can't remember I mean I I don't know I don't know what else would have been tougher yeah
0: like if if you have your like compare comparison wise this way if you have your game that you had yesterday but you're playing at cattail like what do you feel like you shoot at cattail you know same conditions and everything that's like, that's the hard thing because like how'd you just how'd you hit it did you feel like you hit it like a 74
1: 75 or you know it's like different um
0: it is it's a completely it, different
1: i know it's, it's it's hard to because on like a course like cattail it's basically like you know if you're wedging it well and making a few putts then when you is when you go really low and that's the part of my game that was tough yesterday mm-hmm like, that might be the best I've ever driven the ball. Like, truly, I, I mean, if if there was, like, a strokes gained off the tee, you know, that was being – I would be shocked if I was outside the top five because I was significantly the longest in my group. Um, Like, there were multiple times I was hitting my forward longer than the guys were hitting their driver, and I was just, like, hitting them – just dead straight, like center of the face, right down the fairway. Yeah. And the par threes that were into the wind, like I hit really, really quality iron shots. Um, but the one, like about 150 yards and in was just not sharp at all. And that's where you score. So if you were to like do a graphic, like if they just took you around the course like an aerial view of the course and just like showed like where my T-shot was and did like a, you know, what should he shoot from here? I mean, obviously the conditions were a factor, but like on a normal day, if you're just like, okay, this is where all of your T-shots are. Like I should never shoot worse than even par. Yeah. Um, And if if you were factoring in the conditions, I mean, the positions I was putting myself off the t I should not have shot worse than, I mean, three overs, maybe even high. But it was a few bad wedge and iron shots, and then I just, I didn't, obviously I made that one really long putt, but I didn't putt well either. Um, so, yeah, which sort of brings me back to one of my other takeaways is that Just like when obviously we get rusty over the winter and you think, oh man, my golf swing just like feels like when you go out and play for the first time again after the winter. But like my golf swing, I I found that pretty quickly. It's the touch and the feel and the finesse and like the more, the finer skills of the game Mm -hmm. and actually getting the ball in the hole. That is, you know, maybe takes a little bit longer to come back. And maybe what I should have been focusing on more in the couple of weeks leading up to it, I was hitting a lot of I was hitting a lot of balls, like trying to groove my swing a little bit more, yeah. and just sort of figuring, well, you know, I mean, chipping and putting, like I'll, I'll figure it out. But um, I mean that that was the difference. It was just, you know, if you have if you have a forty three yard shot on eighteen. You should be, you know, you should be giving yourself a very good look, like ten feet at the worst, and I left myself like twenty-five feet, yeah, or thirty feet, and then. So I wonder what Lou
0: Stagner would say about that. Strokes yeah. gained, chart. Um,
1: let's see if I can find something here. No, that's putting. Oh. Also, another, another one of my big takeaways is so over, over the winter, you know, when I'm getting the itch to play golf and, you know, watching a ton of golf swing videos and, you know, like YouTube golf instructors and all this sort of stuff, like I think I, you know, and and I watch my swing and find things that I want to change. And so then, you know, when it finally is nice enough to go out and hit balls, like there's different positions I'm trying to hit and different things I've been trying to incorporate in my swing. And I'm always hitting it like garbage. And, you know, the way I had been hitting it on the range, I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't just go up to TPC Twin Cities and play like that. And so, you know, when I, when I went up, uh, when I played Saturday and Sun, like just going up into the weekend, I was like, okay, I'm going to play a lot of holes. I'm not going to think about, you know, my golf swing or, you know, try to hit these positions or the different things I was working on. The only thing I'm going to think about is hitting shots, which is all you can do when it's that windy. You can't be thinking about, you know, your backswing positions when, when it's like that. And so I just sort of got back to, you know, just trying to hit shots and not really thinking about my swing. And it was a lot better. I mean, I was striking it really well, which makes me think, you know, maybe it's not worth uh, taking the time and energy to, you know, try to change things in my swing and rather just like trying to make the absolute most about uh, trying to make the most of what I've got. Yeah. And I think, which I sort of proved to myself yesterday that what I've got can definitely be good enough when it comes to like the mechanics of my full swing. You know, to play on a course mm-hmm. that's literally a PGA Tour course in absolutely awful conditions and strike it as well as I did with the long game. I mean, I don't think... I mean, it's sort, sort of just showing... Like, I don't think there's any use changing any of, you know... You know, changing my swing, I guess, long story short. Yeah. And, you know, I... I
0: after when we went through that one night at the simulator where we worked on mine... And, you know, I kind of got swinging with that a little bit. And then I was trying to go more and more and more and like really trying to get to the, that exact point that we were trying to get me to. And that's more and more when I was kind of realizing like, I like, maybe it's just not physically possible for me to get to where I want. Like when I look at a golf swing, And I say, this is what I want my golf swing to look like. I can envision my golf swing looking like this, but physically and like, maybe just at this point, you know, I'm 25 trying to completely rewire my golf swing to an exact science is just going to be pretty difficult. Like I've been swinging the way I've been swinging for 17 years at this point. Um, It's going to be pretty difficult to completely 180 change it. And so I, I kind of just told myself like, yeah, there's the small things I want to work on. Like, you know, when we worked on taking it more outside and kind of redirecting it like that stuff, I'm keeping in my swing. But everything else, like. I don't need to be out there ripping five yard draws on every single shot. Like I am more than happy to continue just playing a nice little fade uh, because I know that I can play with it. Like I know that any given day uh, I can go out. And, you know, I can shoot even at Cattail. I can shoot under par at Cattail. I can go play tournament golf and I can shoot, you know, 75, 76, somewhere in there when I need to. Like, I I know that I'm capable of it with that swing. And so it's kind of like, what's what's the point? And, you know, same thing for you. Like, this is a swing that, you know, you've won some Compesco Opens with, you've won some club championships with, which are, you know, not a high metric. But it's a swing that you've played well with and you've proven to yourself that you can play well with. Um, So, you know, going through those, those changes might not always necessarily be better.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's a fine line and that's where I, you know, respect the, like the really good instructors. Like when you think about a Butch Harmon who back in 2014 made some huge changes to Ricky swing. Like I'm trying to imagine for someone who was as good as Ricky and for how drastic those changes were, how that felt to him while he was like doing those changes that must've felt so foreign. But The fact that he was able to keep him competitive and actually like increase his ceiling for how well he was playing in tournaments, especially majors, the most difficult tests like it's hard to even, comprehend how incredible that was that it was that was the first full year of the swing change and he played that well because that was a massive change because yeah. i will do things like i'll go out and hit range like doing something that feels way different and i'll watch it on video and it looks the exact same mm-hmm. so just try to imagine how monumental those changes was must have felt to ricky because of how different it looked on video yeah um, well even when we Like when we worked on my thing
0: and you had me, you know, take it as far outside as you can, like feel like you're taking this way outside. Uh, And so, you know, I'm taking it back and I feel like I'm just stretching way out outside and looping it back in. And we look at a video and it's like, no, that's just that's on plane. That's all that is. Yeah. And then you compare it to like something like Noah does where he, you know, takes it back outside like a Matthew Wolf takes it back way outside. Like if I were to, that's what I felt like I was doing when we were working on that, but I'm, I'm not even close. And, you know, for Noah, if we'd had tried to have him take one back on plane, I'm sure he'd feel like he's, you know, looping it way he, back inside. Yeah,
1: and, he, he'd probably feel like he was hitting his right ankle on the way back with the clone. like.
0: is it's just to make some sort of change like that. It's just honestly massive. It's monumental.
1: Um, Yeah. And are you familiar with Travis Fulton? I see a little bit of his stuff on you know Twitter and Instagram stuff like that. He's an instructor and he has a podcast. He does YouTube content. And, you know, he talks a lot about you know, he, he talks about things that he changes with amateurs a lot. And then people will, you know, call him out and say, Well, you know, like John Rahm is taking his hands outside in the club inside, and you know, you say, you know, that's not what we should be doing. He's like, Well, yeah, you're sort of walking a fine line between you know, when to change things and when to leave them. And I think I see a lot of this content out there, like looking at it as if I'm a 15 or 20 handicap, you know, and you see like instructors saying, well, you know, if you take the club back like this, you probably, you shouldn't do it like that. Like you should change it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, okay. Maybe like if it was a really good player, maybe you let it go because, you know, they're just, they're making it work and they're an athlete and all this sort of stuff. And then, and maybe, like, remember, well, I'm actually a plus 2.4 handicap. Like, you know, if there's anything in my swing that is maybe a bad habit, like, you know, according to the book, I mean, clearly it's not going too poorly. Yeah. And
0: when it comes to like, a change like that, like, they always say changing one thing is going to, in most cases, unless you are prepared to change other things along with it, do more harm than good. Like, just changing one simple position on your takeaway affects the entire rest of your swing, because now you're coming back in a different position uh, in P2, and then p three is different, and then the top's different, and it's all, everything is completely changed. So you have to completely rework every single one of those positions. So Mm -hmm. what's maybe what you feel like is changing, like, yeah, I'm just taking it away a little bit more outside is turning into, you know, on your takeaway or your follow through your, your hands are in a different position. So you're not compressing it the same and you're losing distance or, you know, maybe you're a little bit more open or a little bit more closed. It completely
1: changes a lot of things. I think the best, most effective teachers are able to implement drills with their players in a way that's like, they're not teaching them like how to get to positions in their swing. Cause you can't swing a golf club swinging to positions. I mean, I this think is positions a, are stupid. This is a dynamic motion that's happening at, you know, I mean, when you're talking about the club head over 110 miles an hour, you can't swing to positions. Um, but you have to like get them doing drills that sort of, Gets them to comprehend it instinctively and intuitively. So, you know, like if someone is coming over the top, you know, drills where if you're sticking an alignment stick in the ground at a certain at a certain plane and say, okay, you have to come in and you have to hit the ball from under this. And so then it just sort of like teaches them how to build them, how to, you know, build a motion that is getting better and better as they're working on it. Instead of, you know, me, I know a decent amount about the golf swing, but I'm starting to realize like not enough to teach myself to change it and then go out and hit balls, trying to teach myself a different move was no one watching me, no instructor watching me. And like, just sort of fending, fending for myself and doing Uh it on my own. Clearly that doesn't Uh work. And all that matters is if you can get the ball in the hole. So if you got the prettiest swing and you can't make a pup from six feet Sorry, Adam Scott. It doesn't matter. You know, like, you just have to get the ball in the hole. And uh,
0: and obviously, know. like you said, you're a plus 2.4. You're pretty good at getting the ball in the hole in less shots than uh, a lot of people are. Um.
1: Yeah. So, long story short, I mean, like you touched on, that was a really good field. A lot of really good players in that tournament. A lot and, of pros. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, while you know, I, I'm a little bit disappointed with the score and you know, left shots out there. I mean, to be in the top 20 of that field coming off of um, you know, pretty much no practice, which which that was probably the same boat for a lot of the guys in the field. You know, I didn't look to see where the people were mostly from. Um, you know, just to mean the top 20. I mean, I don't know. It's not a bad showing, I don't think. No, I
0: would I would agree um you know obviously we we know a little bit more uh, about some of these people and not even a lot of these ones just because you know they're uh they're a different area than we are, but you know I'll I'll point to I'll point to Mac um, because Max, somebody you went to, you went to college with, you played a couple years with. He he won a couple conference championships. He became a, a PGA pro. Um, and you know you're you're beating guys like him, and it's not like you're just beating them by
1: one or two. You you beat him by ten, and he had well, a couple I mean, couple bad holes in there. I, um, I'm not I'm not taking. I mean, I that was just a one off. I mean, yeah. Oh so, yeah, I, I, I still think he, he's he's a better player than I am. That but, was just that was just a, a crazy day. But just looking at you know other guys in the field, I guess
0: there was another guy from South Dakota there that uh, we we played junior stuff with, who was always pretty solid. Um, yeah, you know I'm sure there's other guys like that in here where you know you're you're playing good golf to to be you know nine over on a a PGA tour course and. I'm sure similar conditions to what my kids played in yesterday where it's twenty five thirty sustained winds with thirty-five forty mile an hour gusts at times, like it's it's not easy at all. Um uh, I, I I would I, I wouldn't necessarily be upset with uh with that uh finish yesterday. I think there's a lot of positives you can take away from it as well. Um, You know, like you said, you were hitting the driver really well. Uh, You were hitting some nice uh, iron shots on the par threes. You were saying like, I think there's, there's a lot to take away from this, even, um, you know, with the overall goal being to qualify and maybe not achieving that there's still a lot of other things uh, to take away going forward. I mean, we got to go in the two man this year obviously so this is just a stepping stone
1: exactly yeah um i've also one of my biggest takeaways is uh i was actually talking with mac about this earlier which he was he was talking to me he went out and it was still pretty windy out there today but um he told me he went out and played 18 today and shot even so he was like are you kidding me <laughs> uh, just a day too late anyway what was i saying oh yeah um basically no amount of practicing on the range can uh you know sort of make a difference in your game or prepare you in the way that on course reps can Um, there's just no way to just hit buckets and buckets of golf balls and be able to replicate the feeling of being on a tee box in a tournament. Like there's just nothing that, you know, will prepare you than actually, actually playing golf, which is, I don't know if it's a, uh, if it's a depressing or sort of like a exciting thing that i'm realizing but just because i don't have quite the time to play golf like i used to mm-hmm. but like basically long story short what i'm saying is you know you hear from a lot of these pga tour pros that you know when they grew up or even you know sometimes now they're like you know they'll just say well i'm not really a, like a range rat. i just play a lot and that's how you you know learn shots and just sort of learn how to be better and i'm sort of i don't know for some reason it's just kind of dawning on me how how true that is yeah
0: um and you you were just kind of saying like there, there's no better no nothing that can replicate the feeling of being on a tee in a tournament and i i've always kind of told myself that the driving range is for two things driving ranges to warm up you know, hit a bucket to warm up before a round and the driving range is to fix something that needs to be fixed but You know, to me, there there's no point in, you know, I just if I want to hit balls outside, there's no point to me in just going and hitting range balls with with no purpose. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to just go out to the golf course tomorrow and just be like, oh yeah, I want to hit range just so I can be outside and hit balls because, one, that sounds so boring, and two, it's it's probably going to do more harm than good because I'm going to go hit range balls. And I'm going to think of something and it's just going to be like, oh, this is broken. Now I have to fix it. And now I'm going to spend countless hours because mm-hmm. of one range session trying to fix something that it does not need to be fixed necessarily. And it's going to completely take away from going out and playing. Um, and, you know, when I do go out and play, I'm going to be more focused on trying to change this and change that. And then I'm just going to play worse. Mm-hmm. Which is you know one thing i heard on a podcast and it's you know swing your swing like i said the range
1: is for the warm up figure out what your swing is that day and and play that swing that's funny i forget the actual story um there's some sort some pga tour pro um yeah i, I don't remember who it was and i think it might have been like the day this this particular person shot like a really good score or like won a tournament or shot a course record or something that was the sort of context and this uh this player said they were talking like during their warm-up I think it was after they hit balls it was like oh my gosh like I was hitting it so bad on the range like I my swing feels terrible like I didn't I couldn't I didn't hit any shots solid and their coach it was either coach or their caddy asked them well did you get warmed up like are you loose and like yeah Okay, then it was a successful range session because, you know, it was was the day of competition, right? I mean, literally all you're doing hitting range is trying to get loose. Like if you are on the range before a tournament round, especially if you're just going out to play recreationally, maybe you're working on something, but if you're on the range before a tournament round and you're like working on something, that's not great. I mean, your one purpose is to get loose, uh-huh. and and then or and then maybe at the end, you know, you know what your first tee shot is, and just try to visualize that. I know a lot of, you know, a lot of players do that, which I think that's that's a good way to do it. But yeah, I yeah think So uh, all of this stuff, like I knew, but for some reason, it uh, it just sort of all dawned on me in a in a different way that I didn't realize before, and. You know, sometimes it just takes
0: someone saying something or like hearing it to just get it in your mind. Because like, Mm. you know, knowing that I've heard countless times throughout college, you know, the range before a tournament is only to just get warmed up. Like, don't worry about fixing this and fixing that. Figure out what your swing is that day. Get warmed up and get ready to go. But yet, until I hear it again, like I just that completely is just gone. It's like in of one year, out the other. And the first thing I'll do my next competitive round is even in like men's league. Like all I'm doing is I'm not trying to fix anything. I'm going to play men's league. And I'm sitting on the range trying to hit perfect shots, perfect shots. And I'm like, like just get over it and just go and play golf. Mm-hmm. Practice yeah. is practice. Playing is playing. You know, it's not like Steph Curry's out there trying to change his three-point shooting motion in the middle of game seven against the Los Angeles Lakers to make it to the next round. Like, right. No, that's something he's doing in practice. So why, why is it any different with golf? And I don't know why.
1: Yeah. It's. And honestly, maybe, maybe social media is just part of it for me because, you know, you see so many videos of so many beautiful swings. You're always like watching videos of the pros that have beautiful swings and have like, you know, really cool, Positions in their swing, really cool impact positions. And I, you know, I'm very critical of my own swing. Say, oh, well, mine doesn't quite look like that. Like, I want to try to change it. But, of course, there's that old cliche, the ball is always the best teacher. Like, can I hit a draw? Yep. Can I hit a fade? Yep. Can I hit it high? Yep. Can I hit it low? Yep. So, I mean, what else is there? It's... I mean, it's the same thing as
0: the, the phrase of the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, but you don't know what's going on on the other side of the fence. Yeah, their grass might be greener, but yours is healthier. Like, okay. there, there's just there, there's so many other factors than just looks. Like, you can have the ugliest swing in the world, but who cares if you go out and shoot 67 every round? Yeah, like it. It just if it works for you, just just do it. We've just turned this into, like, a motivational golf podcast for the last 30 minutes of the episode. I know. And but. in
1: general, I mean, in general, sometimes, but I would say in general, I'm not necessarily just, like, a swing your swing guy because, you know, a lot of amateurs really do have, like, tendencies in their, in their mechanics that make it impossible to play really good golf. And so, like, there are you know, some things that actually do need to be addressed. If this person is trying to improve, if they, if they just love golf, and going out, having fun, don't care that they have, you know, whatever, a massive slice or can't hit it solid, then, then they don't care, whatever. You don't need to change it. Um, but for like, but for where I'm at, you know, it was just sort of, and, you know, playing in, And, you know, a big thing in golf these days is speed, right? So, then you're like watching videos like, okay, you know, what do I need to incorporate in my swing to absolutely maximize my club head speed, but then to play with two division, the guys I played with were two division two college golfers. And, you know, not that they were like bombing it, but just like to be consistently driving it past them like pretty easily and straighter. It was like, I don't, think I need more distance you know my drives were perfectly acceptable which is also nice you know it was like that if I'm just sort of swinging it well I don't even have to be swinging it that hard if I'm just swinging it well and hitting the center of the face then it's going to go far enough that's very true
0: do I try and teach my high schoolers they're sitting here trying to hit it harder to make it go farther. I'm like, no, you just got to hit it solid. Like,
1: yeah, that's that's the, which is, yeah, because a lot of the teachers these days are saying, you know, with their with, with their when kids are like first getting into the game, is like, hit it as hard as you possibly can, and we'll figure out hitting it straighter later. There's something to that. I get why. Because you want them to build speed because, you know, once someone, if someone doesn't have speed, teaching speed to, a, like, a golfer who's actually in golf and has been in golf is, is pretty difficult, right? Uh-huh. Like, the, Matthew Fitzpatrick is making it look easier than it is. I mean, when a guy is a really solid player, has his timing, has his tempo, and is trying to add speed – most of the time, it doesn't help. So, like, I mean, you know... Look at someone like Bryson. I would, worked, well, I would say it helped him. It worked for a little bit, but... I would say it was more the damage he did to his body. That, like, the, the speed itself, like, actually helped his I, golf Yeah, game. the speed
0: itself, probably.
1: But everything else was... Um, but, so yeah, that's just a sort of overall, like... I didn't I didn't realize I was going to end up with so many philosophical thoughts after playing one 18 hole tournament round, but I kind of did. I end up with numerous philosophical thoughts after not
0: even playing. I like sit there and I and yesterday when I coached, um you know, I tournament started at 10, I only had a sub for half the day. So, I show up at 12. Um and I get there, there's no carts at the clubhouse. So I'm just like, whatever. You know, I'll start walking, and the first person I find, I'll just walk with for a little bit until I find someone else. figured um, you are just, like,
1: chill in your car and follow along with the live scoring. Well, I did that while I was walking. Okay.
0: Um, but anyway, I get out there, and I, I run into our one girl that we have on the team right now, who is someone that I've worked pretty hard with the last two years. Um, you know, last year, she she started out, First tournament, I think shot like a 94 or something like that. 94, 95 to 96, somewhere in there. By the end of the year, she was shooting 120. And it's just like complete mental block, like, you know, just had no clue what was going on. And so we've been kind of nursing her back into being able to play golf again. And it – It's just, it's so much easier from an outside perspective to be like, yeah, do this, 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 and this. But then like telling yourself, like, why, why can't I just do this, 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 and this? Mm -hmm. Like I'm sitting there and I'm telling her, you know, we're on a par four. Hit it out there. Second shot, try and hit it on the green. If you don't hit it on the green, your third shot, hit it on the green as close to the hole as you can, and two-putt. Take a five if you make five and walk off. And it's like, yeah, get rid of big numbers. It's so obvious. But then you get out on the course, and it's like, well, hell yeah. I've got this flop shot. I can hit this cool flop shot, and if I pull it off, I can save par. What do you do? Well, you chunk it, and then you chip on, you two-putt, and you go from making an auto bogey, to walking off with a double. And it's just... Golf's just a stupid game. Is all it is. Golf's a stupid game. Mm-hmm. Lifting's way cooler. That's why I've been in the gym. You've been hitting the gym? I've been hitting the gym
1: hard. I think we've been going four days a week for like the last month. Well, you gotta make sure you're doing exercises for the flexibility, too. I mean, sometimes, oh. sometimes, sometimes guys get huge and then... They've got like they can't even swing the club anymore. I still got swing. Um, that's probably uh, yeah. Anything else from? from, Not from not from that. It it made some interesting content that I needed to get off my chest. Yeah that that makes the episodes way easier. Um, I tell you what though, I'm sick of. you know, just being, oh well, kinda close, on the edge of contention. Like one of these days I actually want to qualify for one of these USGA one of these USGA deals. I've got two more opportunities this year. Well, you got this year. You got the the mid-am and the the mid-am and the am. And the am, yeah. So you know, who knows in a couple of years if my desire will still be there once they're uh, using the MLR ball. So not the MLR ball again. Um,
0: so, anything else from from Minneapolis
1: that you want think to talk so. about? It was fun. I was. I'm glad i I'm glad I stuck with doing the, the one up there rather than Sioux Falls. I yeah. got to see some of my buddies. Stayed with yeah. my brother. Golfed with him. Um, he caddied for you, right? Drew did. Uh, he ended up not caddying he for didn't? me, so I I was I had a push cart. Oh. Um. But. I was shocked at how low the scores were at the Sioux Falls one. Like, I would yeah, not have been... four, four under was the, the medalist, I think. Last time I played at that one, it was very similar weather. I remember, like, right about 50 degrees and, like, super windy. And the winning score was even. So, for this year, for it to be, you know, four under, that was pretty shocking.
0: I mean, this guy is out of Iowa. Um, so, you know, you never know. He's not one of our normal south dakota people um no sometimes yeah of I, Iowa did, I, do I don't know if they played it easier uh because you know if you if you look at the leaderboard and you look at t10 uh there's a guy on there who i feel like is usually not that high up the leaderboard but he
1: he's there um i might look uh do you know are you on just like golf genius or are you on the website i'm on golf genius
0: But at the same time, you know, like, Jake shot 75. um, Kind of a few bad holes in there. I don't know if they just played it. It doesn't look like they played it, like, that short. So, I don't know. You know, wind direction plays a factor, too. I don't know. And all in all, like, the... The Country Club of Sioux Falls is nothing compared to TBC Twin Cities.
1: Oh, that's true. You know,
0: like, from what I remember, this course doesn't necessarily have a lot of trouble. Uh, Like a lot of hazards and stuff out there.
1: Yeah, not a whole lot. I mean, there's a few different holes. but Are are they not? They're at the Country Club of Sioux Falls. Yeah, that's where it was. That's the one where the uh, Champions Tour event is, right? Or is that Minnehaha? No, that's Minnehaha. No, that's Minnehaha. Minnehaha is way harder than the Country Club of Sioux Falls, I would think. I would say. But I'm actually doing a qualifier at Minnehaha in uh, August. Is that the which one's that? That one's for the mid-AM.
0: Oh, I didn't even realize that Corey Matthew was in the field. And uh, I also didn't realize he's living in Scottsdale now. Uh, That was the guy I played college golf against.
1: Okay, I finally uh, learned technology and got this leaderboard up. Wait, I didn't didn't know this was a par 71. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, this is my first time actually looking down the leaderboard here. It's interesting. A lot of dudes I know on there. Uh well that's expected. There are
0: it is South Dakota. Um we've played competitive golf here for Yeah.
1: Wow, those eight scores years. are so much better than, than the one where I played. I would have gotten T51 with that same score. With, with the same score to par yeah but you played it but i don't think that's massive, what i would have shot um
0: any you want to do any quick recaps of the PJ tour stuff that we you know we didn't have an episode last week life kind of got in the way for us um so we did not cover the zurich classic which who cares it's a team event um Shout out to Davis yeah. Riley, Nick Hardy. Cool, whatever. I,
1: yes, I wouldn't have even been able to name who won.
0: I have the I, I have the results in front of me, so that's the only reason I know. And last week was the Mexico Open. Tony Finau with another victory. You know, really struggled for wins and then kind of broke it open last
1: year. And this is, what, his fourth one in a year? Third one in a Tony year. Tony Finau win an event. That's a real event challenge. Impossible.
0: <laughs> hey, John was I mean,
1: in the field. I mean, yeah, it's it's sort of a it's sort of just like a meme and a bit, but also because, you know. I mean, he are people is he getting more crap for the fact that he went there and won? Like if he would have just gone and got like T forty, would people be like like less did. bothered by it? Or is it the you know, but so obviously it's good that he went to a field where he's probably the second favorite and did win, but also he, did outplay the favorite too.
0: Uh, he played yeah. him three of the four days. So, I mean,
1: yeah, say what so, so you like want. All of his wins are just really brutal fields. So I just hope for, I still think it has shown a lot, the events he has won. Yeah. But I just hope for his own sake and, you know, for I, I, all of those I, that continue to slander Mr. Finau that he wins a huge one soon. Say what you want, but
0: a wins, a wins, a win. Um, you know, he still made one
1: point three million dollars for that. So And you know, to be in the final group with John Rahm and Akshay. start, yeah, and Akshay and start with a two shot lead and then just expand it. I mean, a two shot lead is a pretty uncomfortable place to start a tournament. Like, you know, some people would maybe rather be tied or even one behind than just a small lead. And then to just go out and you know make make a few early birdies and just expand the lead and just cruise the rest of the way and it was really never in doubt is uh, you know that's pretty far removed from the Tony that we were seeing a few years ago when he had a lot of issues on Sundays. So I I think even though these are you know not great fields that he's winning, I still think he's come a long way because mm-hmm. um, his last, I mean the three Open or the three M Open, the you know Scott Piercy sort of fell apart and it kind of you know fell into his lap. For Tony Finau, then the, the three wins since then have been very convincing, like yeah. not not close on Sunday. So, a uh, couple other things to note from last week:
0: James Hahn made the cut, so shout out James Hahn. He's really loving trying to work into the elevated events, but at the same time, uh, put the alert out. Someone go reach out to Lucas Glover. Missed cut last week. Uh, and the cut line was two under. So, someone make sure Lucas Glover's okay. Uh, second, what on earth happened to Harry Higgs? Uh, this is a guy that was playing like some decent
1: golf last year for most of the year. I don't even know if he had status last year. I think he did, but he's about to lose it. Uh, if he hasn't lost, I don't it even think he has status right now.
0: I don't know what he has, but it's a miscut.
1: I tell you, Uh don't. I'm certain of this. You don't have to have full status to play in the Mexico Open. Wesley Bryan, Wesley Bryan, the king of having a decent start and then playing like hot garbage in round two. Okay, Wesley Bryan, did you hear about this? The practice round grouping. No. So uh, John Rahm, Tony Finau, and Akshay Batia played a all played a practice round together before the Mexico Open with Wesley Bryan. With Wesley Bryan, what the hell? So it was Wesley Bryan, and then the final group on Sunday.
0: <laughs> um, speaking of Wesley Bryan, his brother George uh, lost like a five for three playoff yesterday for an alternate spot. So, or no, he lost a five for three for uh, to get in auto qualify, but I think he's second alternate. Oh really?
1: So, so yeah, he did a he did a U.S. Open local. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, Wesley made a ten on his second to last hole. Goodness. Um, Dylan Fratelli, loved to cry at people's pain, especially when it's him. Miss cut again. Screw that guy. Uh, and nothing really well, he's else. Like going no- through something like,
1: <laughs> terribly, like super serious in his personal life, and you're just <laughs> crappy on him.
0: He's probably he probably listens to the show, and he's just so upset that he just keeps playing so bad. Um, but that's that. This week we have a designated event. We've got the Wells Fargo. Uh,
1: Do we talk live at all? I mean, we could basically summarize Taylor the last Gooch. two live events with saying Taylor Gooch won. So Taylor Gooch. Um, okay, so the the one in Australia was sort of a big spectacle, and you know a lot yeah, of the You were live, kind of firing off on Twitter uh, after the Australia one. A lot of the live, you know, supporters we're kind of saying, you know, see, look at, look at all the support live has. Right. So, um, and some, you know, that maybe not, that maybe weren't um, big live supporters or defenders were saying, well, maybe live has some serious momentum now. So what did you, did the live event in Australia, like change your, perception at all or did it did it move the needle for you in any way no it's
0: it's exactly what i would expect because australia is always a huge sports place like anytime there's any sporting event in australia they go absolutely wild for it um so just the fact that there's a golf tournament there cam smith in the field uh i'm that's all they needed to to show up and show out
1: yeah i uh
0: I, I i didn't even see where was last week and what did the it was singapore Singapore.
1: What yeah. even what what were the crowds like, you know? You know, funny story actually. Um, I was up at my brother's house. This was Saturday night because it would have been the final round. Um, because they were over in Singapore. My, my brother, he he goes to bed pretty early. So he's like, here, here's the remote. If you want to watch, you know, whatever. So I, I look for I look, I look for the CW and uh, i was like yeah i, I kind of want to see what's going on over in singapore to my shame that i admit this and uh i go over to the cw and it was women in pro wrestling so i was like oh well maybe that's just like a maybe that's just like a programming error like that they're actually showing live um but it just says like that this other show was on so i clicked on it and i was like no nope, it was the other show so it was about uh, basically, the women of WWE. So Liv wasn't even on the CW? No, it was on tape delay. So they showed it Sunday afternoon. Apparently, I didn't watch it, but apparently they showed it Sunday afternoon on tape delay. Which, I mean, I haven't seen like a ratings report, but you know, sort of word going around is that absolutely nobody watched the Singapore yeah. event. And,
0: you know, I, I'm all for... I guess I'm not going to say I'm all for it, but like, you know, I understand these live accounts that really want to talk up live and want to drive support. And, you know, great. Uh, if you want live to be successful, I I'm with you too. Like would I love for live to be successful and love for live to be cool. Absolutely. But trying to drum up support and just be like, Oh yeah, this is much better than the PGA tour, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, using ratings to compare when, you. This is a tweet you pointed out too. They're not going up against strong fields. You know, the last two live events were back-to-back weeks, and it was right after the Masters and another designated event. And so you're going up against the Zurich Classic, which is a team event that honestly I don't think anybody really even cares about. I don't know and then why that's Mexico an open. event. Like, yeah. and then you're gonna act like, oh yeah, look at look at this crowd we had. Yeah, nobody gave a flying crap about either of those tour events and now live is probably off again until after the US Open uh when we have the next terrible Actually
1: they're playing in Tulsa. Tour event. um I-, I think they're playing in Tulsa next week opposite the AT&T Byron Nelson. Oh great, another strong field. So, it'll be the it'll be probably one of the stronger ones they have gone
0: against. One of the the bigger ones. Um I want to look at their schedule here. So Tulsa, May twelfth through the fourteenth. Then it's not until May twenty sixth. I want to line this up with the PJ Tour schedule. So the By- Byron Nelson is that Colonial? Nope. Uh, it is. I think it's still at TBC Craig Ranch. Which one's the one at Colonial? What's that called now? I don't even know what it's called. Or is there now. even a tournament at Colonial anymore?
1: There is still. It used to be the Crown Plaza, then it was the Dean and DeLuca, and then it was just the... here it
0: is. Uh, Then the next time that they're going, it's after the PGA, and they're going up against the Charles Schwab, which is the colonial tournament.
1: Okay, so going up Um, against the the Byron Nelson and Colonial might be, I don't know, we'll see.
0: Then we're looking at June 30th through July 2nd, the Rocket Mortgage. Of course. Are they going to target the John Deere here, too? July 7th through the 9th, the John Deere. Are they going to target the 3M? Um, They probably will here. What's next? August 4th through the 6th is the next one, so I'm not thinking that's going to be 3M. Wow, look how much respect they have No, for the it's 3 uh, Instead, it's the Wyndham. So they got some respect for the, the 3M.
1: Yeah, wow. They'll go up against the Colonial, but they won't go up
0: against the Twin Cities. Then it's a week later, and it's the first round of the playoffs at FedEx St. Jude. Uh, yeah. And then they're off again until September 22nd,
1: which is the week before the Ryder cup. So here's the thing about what one thing about those live events is all of those like accounts and like the cheerleaders for it. Like if it is that great, just let it breathe, you know, instead of just like shoving it in everyone's face, like yelling at us about how cool it is it should speak for itself. You know, if it's really like that awesome and if it's must see TV and just like this great competition and um, you know, you should just sort of let it speak for itself instead of like, no, like you have to, like, if you don't watch this, if you don't think this is fun and cool and awesome, then you're just What's, like a shill for the PGA tour.
0: Which, what is the first one all,
1: Twitter account
0: that you're always going after? It's the one with the blue,
1: is it flushing it? Okay, flushing it. Yes, he like he tries to come off as sort of uh what's the word? um impartial because he does a lot of like positive content about the PGA tour. The one that's just an absolute meme is Live Golf Nation. Like this guy, this guy it, mm-hmm. it, like it it makes you think it's parody. This stuff is so insane that that guy says um but then the other thing is the, the event in Australia was also just super corny. Like all of these guys like drinking beer out of shoes. Like, well, that's the normal Australia thing. Okay, but first of all, why? That's disgusting. You, you never do a shoeie? And you know how they were trying to make that whole basically the 16th at TPC Scottsdale all over again?
0: Yeah, but, but it was like obnoxious.
1: Okay, there's that. They're and bumping music, like literally first, bumping music. The In the first round, a guy hit it to like six feet, and they threw their beers God. on the hole. Oh Did you God, see that? Yeah. yeah. So it's like oh, they probably wouldn't have done that if they had known Chase Kepka. Chase, I'm him, Kepka, was going to you know get the hole-in-one later in the week. But just like the fact that this guy hits, you know, obviously it was a really good shot, but it's like six feet, and these guys are throwing their beers. Like, okay, what are we doing here? Like, that's just everyone's trying too hard, yeah. So, um, and apparently, when Chase Kepka got his hole in one, all he was just going around screaming, I'm him. So, and I think he proceeded to finish 47th in Singapore. I think I proceed to hate that guy, you know. I thought Brooks Kepka was kind of a, a d
0: bag, I think that Chase Kepka. Is, I mean, one, he's riding off his brother's coattails. Probably the only reason he has a spot in Live is because his brother is in Live. What do you mean, probably
1: the only reason he's on Live? Like, does anybody at all? A lot of people probably didn't even know that he had a brother who played professional golf if they didn't watch the Zurich Classic or Live. Has he done anything in golf to where if Brooks didn't exist? anybody would know who chase kepke is no no he's brooks's brother which so like he hey i mean he's a, he's a he's a decent golfer i mean he's like he can shoot uh, he can shoot decent scores but like the fact that he's on live everyone you know i was listening to the shotgun start shout out shotgun start uh andy and uh he had Shane Bacon on and they were doing nba comparisons with golfers and they did uh Chase Kepka and Thanasis Antetokounmpo. Literally. which is pretty funny. It was like everyone knows why they're there. Um, speaking of the NBA, probably gonna watch uh, Lakers Warriors. Is that tonight? That's going on right now. No. Uh, who is who's cleaning um, up? I will turn the volume down and pull it up here. uh lakers are up by one it's second quarter it's 42 41
0: um i know you're kind of a a warriors guy what are your thoughts on this whole jordan situation
1: i don't follow it closely enough i know everyone's like absolutely roasting him um i haven't watched much of it to actually see what he's doing like to, to get all this hate the the one clip i saw recently
0: was after a game last week, uh, you know, they're all shaking hands. I think it's after a loss. And they're all, you know, shaking hands as a team. Uh, and he kind of gives Steph a fist bump. And then Draymond goes to, like, give him a high five or a fist bump or something. And he just kind of walks by him. Um, you know, and I, I saw a tweet that came from it that was like, yeah, he's, uh, he's probably just not wanting to be there. Like he probably doesn't really care after. Apparently he was knocked out by a teammate earlier this year or
1: before. uh, Oh yeah. Did you you see that? No. Right at the beginning of the season. I don't know if it was preseason or whatever. There was like uh, security camera uh, video, like was leaked from warriors practice. Draymond just like absolutely like haymakered pool. Like there was like, there was like an argument and then like, I think pool shoved Draymond and Draymond just socked him. He probably has lost a lot of respect for that team uh, already, which is,
0: you know, I can't say I really ever had much respect for Draymond to begin with. I mean, we're talking about arguably one of the dirtiest players in NBA history uh, who somehow continues to get away with it. Um, between nut kicking, uh, and I'll go on record and say that I believe that the step on uh Whoever it was that in the King series was
1: it was Demontes probably intentional.
0: Yeah, I believe what, that that what was intentional? probably intentional. That was definitely intentional. Um, yeah, you know, I've just never been a big
1: Draymond fan. I think he's kind of just a, a doofus. Here's the thing with Draymond is that we, like the nut kicking and stuff like like I wish that just wasn't there because obviously it adds to his villain status. But like the way he plays, I respect a lot. Like I I think he's an extremely valuable player. He, I I wouldn't say he's not a valuable player. I just do
0: not respect him as a player.
1: Um and I think he's one of those where like he's valuable on the Warriors but probably wouldn't work on any other team.
0: No. I I would agree. I would say if he was not with Golden State, there's probably going to be very few teams willing to take a chance on him. Um you know, kind of like the the Dylan Brooks news today where they basically said, you're not coming back next year. And Oh, uh, Anthony Davis fell down. No, he'll be back up. Remember really? when he popped his shoulder out in game one of the first round and then came back 30 minutes later?
1: I've seen that happen on a basketball court a couple different times. Oh, he just got up. Oh, my goodness. That man has glass bones and paper skin. Shout out, SpongeBob!
0: Um, but anyway, back in. besides any of that, is there anything else uh, we we need to get to for tonight to kind of make up for last week? Um, you know, any any plans to play some golf anytime soon?
1: Um, not really. Actually, going back up to the Twin Cities this weekend for a wedding, um, and the weather is kind of turning a corner. I at least I mean I thought that a couple of weeks ago but yeah. um should be at least at this point it's May. Yeah, but I don't a, have uh I don't know when I'm going to actually be playing holes next which is a little bit depressing saying it out I, loud but I'm looking at the the calendar uh
0: and men's league starts 3 weeks from Thursday. I would be surprised if by the time I start men's league I'd have played 54 holes or 72 holes.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, You know, this weekend is my fiance's brother's graduation or fiance's brother's girlfriend's graduation from college. So we're, we're going up to, to Aberdeen for that. And then next weekend is graduation uh, where I teach. So I will be going to that. Uh, and then the week after that, I think we have something else going on, and so that will be a a busy week and then the week after that, school is finally out, and men's league starts, so it's I don't necessarily have a lot of time to play golf anytime coming up so yeah, that'll be interesting and then you know we have the two man in just about a month and a half, and it's not looking like I'll have a lot of uh, reps to go off of by then. So really, I'm just going to start bringing my clubs with me to practice and using kids' practice time as my practice time.
1: Yeah, honestly, I would. Okay, this game is getting awesome. What? It's just back is and it? forth. It was a couple minutes from halftime. Oh, I'll turn it on for the fourth quarter.
0: That's how basketball games are for me. The first three quarters really don't matter. But I'll uh, I'll say it because we're not gonna bad podcast the Warriors game. Um, then Nick just gave a look like he completely forgot we were still recording the, the podcast. Uh, pretty much. Right now. Um, so everybody, thanks for for tuning in. Sorry for the week break. Uh, like we said, life kind of got in the way, and we just we didn't have time. Um, hey man, if
1: I'm not paid to do this yet.
0: Honestly, I can't guarantee uh, I mean, anything weekly. We we pulled a Noah last week. We just decided not to show up. And uh that's that's what happens. It was our
1: PTO. Yeah, the week. thing is, the thing is when it's me, like it's not just me pulling like it's you know, it's just yeah then it's, it's just really, we didn't have a podcast
0: that it's week. really Nick's fault because if Nick doesn't show up, nobody shows up because you know I can't record the podcast without Nick. Uh and last week I was not recording a podcast by myself. So um but we should be back on schedule, especially as we hit the summer months. Hopefully we can get some different stuff going. Um, you know, we'll be able to talk about more golf like we did today, more of our rounds. Um, and you know, we'll get some, maybe I'll record
1: a what's in the bag this week and we can post that. I was just, I was just thinking that we got to do, uh, what's in the bags if, if we're getting those finalized yeah because i actually mine's, mine's never mine, well, final, actually but
0: mine's not final because i'm gonna get fit for irons so does anyone want to what's in the bag now and then my what's in the bag once the irons come
1: that's actually anyone a good idea a putter for a reasonable
0: price i just so have a genius a idea, idea. We, i'll do my what's in the bag now and then maybe we'll record my fitting and we'll post that, and then we'll do a
1: video on my new irons. Well, good luck recording that. I don't know exactly how you would, but if you find out a way. What do you mean, good luck recording it? W- well, what do you mean? Are you still you're just going to like set up your camera or what? Yeah, That's a good point.
0: We don't really have the editing crew to uh, to do that. I was thinking you show up and you record it and then we go get
1: pizza afterwards. Oh, all right. Well, do you have a date? Do you figure out when you're doing that yet?
0: No, because like I said, I'm busy about every weekend and from here until the next Chinese New Year. So I'll be lucky to find a weekend that I'm free.
1: Yeah, that's kind of how it goes.
0: So I'm borderline about to call the place here in town and see if i can just get in there and get fit here
1: but we'll yeah. see yeah well, thanks for tuning we'll see in how it shakes out yeah i definitely yeah. think what's in the bags would be fun yeah for sure we'll have to get those going this week um well that
0: sounds good yeah thanks everyone for tuning in It's uh, been episode 29 right 20, 30 29. 30 30 episode 30 Uh, the bogey train podcast our steph curry episode as i'm watching him (laughs) as always uh stay on the bogey train unless you're playing a u.s open qualifier in the next few weeks yeah there
1: you go thanks for listening i just got stuck in a bogey train